Americas, live and underway here on ESPN Plus as we show you the beautiful scenery from the Souk Wakif in downtown Doha. That's the market. That's where we go for all our big time shopping here in Qatar. That's where Herc spends all his money. You say we, uh, we do our big time shopping? Yeah. You go shop there? You know me, I'm not a shopper at all. You guys go to like the luxury You told me you were stores. looking for the gold. I was. I want to know where the gold at. The, the supposedly, there's a, there's a very interesting gold market there uh, that you can go. I don't know. I don't know much about gold, but I know, things I never I know my thought mom I and my hear. wife love gold. Okay. Things so, I never thought I would hear. So you want listen, me to get away? I want to pull the curtain back a little away. bit here because producer Beto just literally said we're too close. It's not a visual thing. They just have to keep us far apart because we might start throwing bows uh, at any time. If it, yeah. Limbs, as they say, uh, yeah, you know, you don't as they want say it. in England. You don't want none of this. All right, so plenty uh, coming up in this edition of Football Américas. Uh, we have the quarterfinal field set now, Herc. The last eight is set. It's done. No more games. Well, of the round of 16. I know. Yes. I mean, we got a day off. There like, is, can we have a day off? There is I a, need a day off. <laughs> can we have a, I need a day off from you Seb. You need a day off from work or from Seb? Because those are Both. two different things. Both. Uh, why don't you show us your shirt again there? What, what you got there? Oh, you know what I got. What does it say? Classic. Uh, I am Zlatan like Ibrahimovic. a Ferrari. Among Fiat. Yes, that's how I feel sometimes on this show. And uh, your boy has the uh, anti-VAR social club. Are you one of those people? I think, I think no, in this no, tournament I mean, it's I mean, annoying me. I mean, you call VAR VAR. VAR? You would, what would you have me call it? VAR? VAR. Okay. I'll work on that among no, many no, things. No, 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 because there's two that. sets of people. Yes. Uh, which one do you fall into? It's just VAR. Okay, the opposite of the one I fall into, I'm I can sure. Know. It's video assistant referee, uh, actually. So coming up, we're going to talk about Alexis Vega. Okay, Mexican international, had himself a decent World Cup, linked to a major, major European club. Uh, so we'll dive into oh. that. We'll also recap uh, Portugal against Switzerland, which just wrapped up, not very close. Morocco against Spain, which wrapped up a few hours ago, very, very close. And then for some reason, Herc, after their brilliant performance, there seems to be a lot of people lining up to take shots at Brazil. So we'll dive in on that, which is weird. It's always when you do well that people come for you. Uh, but let's start. On the transfer wire. Now you wire. know how I feel. Really? <laughs> Where uh, there's plenty of U.S. internationals who are getting attention. Okay. Mm -hmm. Key among them, or first that we'll discuss, is Yunus Musa. Currently at Valencia, of course. Fabrizio Romano, he of Here We Go fame, reporting Arsenal have sent scouts to monitor the youngster. Also, apparently, there's interest from Inter Milan, according to Romano. Uh, Musa could leave anywhere between January and June. So lots of ways we can break this down. Let's start just with the leagues and the options there. According to what you feel about Yunus Musa's football, which league suits his style best? Where he is right now, La Liga, Premier League, or Syria? Ooh. I like La Liga for him. Really? I do. I do. Um, I had questions and doubts about Yunus Musa's mm -hmm physical abilities. A lot of those he answered in this World Cup. I thought physically he was fantastic. One of the major doubts I had about Yunus Musa was the lack of productivity, right? End but product, yeah, end yeah. End product, if you will. I think you at one point compared him to Darlington yeah, Nagby. Darlington Nagby. And <laughs> what are you laughing at? I mean, of your bad takes, equally, that's got to be at the top of the pile. Well, you should ask Darlington Nagby about that. Uh, Darlington Nagby would love to have had the career Yunus Musa is going to have. Going to have? Yeah. Okay, so what are we talking about? Yunus Musa is a very talented player. I'm not going to argue with you about Darlington Nagby comparison to Yunus Musa. I'll let Twitter destroy you for that. Make your point about Yunus Musa. The U.S. will win a World Cup because USL and a MLS. 
but they'll destroy me for that. Um, listen, he's a very talented player. And a lot of the doubts I had about him physically have been answered mm -hmm. in this group phase. I think he'll run with the best of them. Like, I didn't know physically that he would be that good, that dominant. He was really that good in the group stage. But a lot of things that he's very good for, that he's very good for, he didn't do this World Cup. But I know he can do them. I like the Premier League, but not over La Liga. Mm. He's so technical. He is so technical, and he's so good in between the boxes. He is so shifty at getting in and out of, uh, out of things. His ability to drive a ball... Honestly, and I know you laugh at this, I've only seen from Darlington Nag being the U.S. pool like, in the last decade. I've mm -hmm. only seen that from Darlington Nagby. That's why I made that comparison. That she's literally the only one with that ability to drive out of there. He's in a field of his own when we talk about U.S. men's national team players okay. in that category. I love that for him in La Liga. I think okay. you find a nice home in La Liga. But the Premier League is a different animal. Serie A is a different animal when it comes to defensively. See, I, I see him... And I see a player, like, I'm going to make a comparison here, like a Luca Della Torre, overwhelmingly technical, right? So we say, oh, La Liga would be a good fit. I feel like Yunus Musa does a lot of things well. Are you, are you feeling like he would be a bad fit for a Premier League or a Serie A, or you just think the best fit is La Liga? Because I think he'd be a good fit anywhere. I, I don't really see... Where do you want to... You just told me that, that Darlington wishes... He's going to wish he had the career. So where do you want to... Where do you think he's going to end up? Champions League team? Like at the highest level at the possible highest is level? where you'd want to see no, no, him. That's what, do you think he's going to end up there? Yeah. Okay. So he's going to end up in a top six English Premier League team. Or a top team no, no, in no. La Liga. He's, gonna, he's going to play on those teams is what you're telling me. Which one? What? You're telling me that you see him having a great career. Yes. So that would be a top league, right? Mm -hmm. Top team. Right. Where do you see him? Because you say you love England for him. Where do you see him playing? No, no, no. I'm, I'm asked, the question was to you. Do you think he's like not a good fit for the Premier League? Is there, is there something lacking in his game, this Premier League? Because what you're saying is he's great for La Liga, but what is it about like I Premier League or Serie A? I think that, he's got a more of an ability to play at a higher team in La Liga than he does at a higher team okay. in the English Premier League. Okay. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, every club would be its own conversation, right? Like, would you agree with that? I don't know. I, I don't. I think there's some English. Wait, just the fact that you're having doubts. Whereas in case, I think there's less. Case, but there's less. There's, there's, a, there's, there's a better opportunity of him being a Champions well, League player in and out if he was in La Liga. If we're saying big clubs in England, there's six of them. I just, I just right? told you. There's only three in Spain. I mean, two. I mean, two in Spain. We count Atleti as three. Atleti would be three. Yeah. Okay, and that's it. So yeah. there's, in theory, double the opportunity in the Premier League than there would be to be on a big club in Spain, right? So just from a numbers standpoint, I could see there being more you know, more opportunities in the Premier League. And I don't think that the Premier League is necessarily not suitable to him. And I'm trying to see, think, to understand if you think that or if you just are saying that Because I don't want here, – here's my rationale. I, I, I don't want to see Yunus Musa playing in a club. I think he's a Champions League player. Mm -hmm. I think he's a very good player. I don't think he's a Champions League player in the Premier League because I think th those right. teams are in a field of their, right. they're, they're a league of their own. Atleti, Sevilla, that kind of next tier in Spain is more accessible than – even the top six. You see him playing for City? In England. Do you see him playing for Arsenal? I mean, he's linked to Arsenal, so... Do you see him playing there? Well, right now, no. Okay. Right now, no. So, let, let's, so let's dive in on Arsenal, because that's the real, actual one we okay. can point to. Um, do you think that he would start at Arsenal or Inter Milan? Arsenal, probably not. Inter, 
Maybe, because you and I had spoken about this off-air a little bit. If you're going for Yunus Musa, you're also banking on his future, right? So it's not like a you-gotta-play-now type of deal, even though I want to see him play now type of deal. For the club, it's not that. Correct. For the player, yeah, of course. it might be something it, very it different. It should always be yes. that. Uh, I was talking to Mateo Bonetti, a good yes. friend, and he said, listen, that's an aging midfield, and with the exception of Barrela, uh, they're all in their 30s, and they may start thinking, like, hey, what's next if you're Inter? I don't know if Yunus wants that right now or needs that. I like the fact that he plays right now mm -hmm. for Gattuso. And Gattuso's not a, I'm not a fan of Gattuso. You know, I saw what he did to Chucky Lozano and Napoli, and I wasn't really keen on that. I wasn't really something that got me excited for a young player. But he's been thriving under Gattuso. I know it's a mid-table team right now, but Valencia is one of those teams that kind of fluctuates in and out of that Champions League, Europa League zone. I don't mind where he's at right now. I see the necessity for Eunice to want to take that step. Is he ready for it? Because I'll go back to the Greg uh, Berhalter comments of like, don't make the jump until you're dominating the place you're at. He's playing well, but it's only this season that he's really established himself as a starter in what we believe to be his best position. It would seem like almost he could use some more seasoning at Valencia before he were to try to make, whether it's Arsenal or Inter Milan or anywhere else, that jump. We actually had this conversation um, who was it with? I forget who we had this conversation with. But literally, this is his first season in his right. preferred position right. at Valencia. He was playing on the wing at Valencia. And, and do you know how sometimes politics come into play of whether you stay or you go? Valencia's hand may be forced at some point where they have to sell him. And he's one of those bargaining chips mm -hmm. that they're going to have or that they have at this moment right now. So it may be like the market's there. We have to sell him. But I wouldn't move him right now. I wouldn't. And, and, and where do you go from, from here? Unless you see him, in my mind, playing in a top league. Right. And I'll leave Ligue 1 unless it's PSG right. out of this. Top league. Okay. The next step for Eunice has to be a Champions League move. I'm looking at the Arsenal options, right? Granit Xhaka, Partey, Elneny, uh, Lokonga is kind of the, the fourth guy in, in those positions. Xhaka's contract's up in 2024. Elneny's contract is up. They just extended it, but only for a year. So it's up at the end of the 23 season. So there are spaces there coming at Arsenal. If you're Yunus Musa, you're only 20, you just turned 20. You're taking an understudy for a year is what you're telling me if you're Yunus like, Musa. Like, what would you do? Would you, would you say no to a big club that clearly wants you and has you in a future plan? I don't know if, I don't know if he can say no to Arsenal. And there's also the reality. I don't think he can say no to there's Arsenal. There's so many games, dude. You're going to play League Cup. Sure. You're going to play... Europa League, you're gonna play uh, Champions League, whatever European, they got. We they don't are. know where they'll be in those. We don't <laughs> know where they'll be. Producer Beto, Producer Beto, who's Beto. an Arsenal fan, is bitter about the Europa We don't League know where they will be is what I'm trying but to tell you. And they've got Carabao Cup, the FA Cup. I understand what you're saying. Yes, that's fine. Mm -hmm. I don't think Eunice could say no to an Arsenal. Right. And there's a personal story there. I mean, he started there. Mm -hmm. there. There might be that spinita clavada. Mm -hmm. There might be that part of him that wants that, hey, you know what? This would be great for me. This is where I yeah. want to be. This is home. There could be that. He's got such a high ceiling. He's such a good player. There's a few pieces that are missing that he can get there. I didn't think he had the physical aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And what he showed me in this World Cup is, is he absolutely has it. Yeah. There are things that he keeps surprising us with. I still think he needs more in product. I don't think that's an opinion. I think those are numbers. Yeah. You could see that. But he's just so good, and he keeps impressing me. And, and what I love about him is just his... Overall look and attitude on things. Yeah. Like, there's nothing he's ever said, no, I, I, no, I don't want that challenge. It's always been like, I'll try that challenge. Yeah, we've talked about it before, right? Um, for some guys, it's more valuable to be at a great level, maybe not playing as much. 
for some guys, it's more important to play. I think the younger you are, the more important it probably is to play. I see you take it's a lot of stock into Twitter comments and In stuff. 20 years It old. really affects you, huh? What's that? Twitter comments. Hey, bro, you want to keep making the Darlington Nagmi Yunus Musa comparisons? Have at it, Hoss. Hey, what won't bother me on Twitter? All right, let's talk about uh, Anthony like Robinson. Indra Milan apparently also interested in Robinson, the Fulham left back. The Sun reported uh, a week ago, and I should have looked this up before I made the bet with producer Beth, though, that Inter are ready to offer 20 million euros for Anthony Robinson. Uh, what would be better for this young American defender, Herc? Going to Inter, one of the top teams in Italy, right now fifth in the table, 11 points back of Napoli, or remaining in the Premier League, which everyone says is the best league in the world, with Fulham, who are right now mid-table, but very much, I think most people preseason would have relegation said, battle. likely to be in a relegation dogfight at some point. I like Fulham for him. I think that's about the level I see for, for him. Okay. He's very good at a few things. Uh, he's good at a lot of things, but a few things he stands out for. He's defensively pretty sound. Yeah. He's a big guy for a left back. A lot of he's left backs now are smaller. He's a powerful player. Yeah. Good engine. He actually, when he can get a cross off, decent cross. Yeah. Like he's actually consistent with the left consistent foot. Consistent with yep. the left foot. And he's got a bit of end product to go with it. He mm -hmm. comes into the box, gets his fair share of uh, shots on goal. We saw in World Cup qualifying some goals scored. Not exactly the most privileged left foot. Technical ability is an issue there. Right. We saw it against the You're Netherlands. talking not about crosses, but touch on the ball, right? Correct. Yeah. And if you go to a team like Inter, I think that's a must. Right, because in Fulham, you're defending a lot as opposed to like you Inter's... You defend a lot. Yeah, Inter, Inter's... Yeah, bossing games, right? They are bossing games. In theory, they're more in the of offensive third. Right? And Italy, over the anyway. years, they've been a team that's been pretty easy on the eyes. He's more of that yeah. force down the left-hand right. side and not so much technical ability like a Serginho does to get in and out of things. And I think that's more of an Inter style. But if they're willing to... And I don't know if this is the case because mm -hmm. this is just a report like we've not heard like we've not heard an actual to my like incredible source on this where it's going to happen or it's something that's on the brink of happening <laughs> i love where your subjective line of credibility is but go on wait, 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 what is always subjective wherever you choose to draw the line of what's a credible report or not for italian football fabrizio romano would be pretty credible okay when, when well, he's, he confirmed the interest from Inter Milan. Did he confirm the interest? Yes. I guess it's there then. Because I spoke to somebody earlier, and they said until Fabrizio puts it up, don't believe anything. But if you're telling me he put it up, all right. That's what you're saying, right? Mm -hmm. That's what you're as saying. As far as I know, yeah. As far as you know. Okay. Uh, good player? Mm -hmm. Yes. Inter? No, I don't think that's correct style for him. I don't think that's – but that said, if you can get to a team like Inter, they spend $20 million on you, go. Yeah. Because that's the one missing piece in your game. If that could help you evolve that game, go. Do I think he's ready for that right now? No. So it's not the first time that Italian clubs, big ones, have shown it interest. It was actually the other Milan, right? <laughs> yeah, a couple years ago, AC Milan basically, it appears, had the deal done with Wigan. And then there was... Heart murmur. Yeah, there was like a problem yeah. with the physical. They wanted to do more. The, the transfer window closed, and, and he ends up missing... Um, the move. Inter right now has a left back, Federico Di Marco, and apparently uh, there's a lot of interest in abroad. Manchester City, Wolves, they want, Inter wants competition for Di Marco, but they also, I think, probably need a backup Cover. plan, right? Yeah. I don't plan know if you B want to go somewhere as a backup plan. My question to you, because here's where I see the difference in a Fulham Inter Milan. At Inter, you are much more likely to get European competition and Champions League football. So to a footballer, what's the value of that? Because you're not getting that well, at Fulham. The value of that is 
iron sharpens iron. Right. That's the value of it. Whereas in Fulham, he's been there for a while. He's been the man for a while. Mm -hmm. I believe at one point, Pep Guardiola threw his flowers at him, um, talking about Anthony Robinson. He's been a good player, so that's there's a value to being somewhere where you constantly compete. And I'm not saying he doesn't compete at Fulham, but he he's already kind of dominated the Fulham hole, if you mm -hmm. will, the Fulham. Space, right. space. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Yeah, he's already dominated that. If you to will. Berhalter's point about Berhalter's like locking point. down a job, being doesn't mean dominant. he's dominated the Premier League no. space, but, but that full. level. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's a good point. All right, let's go even bigger picture in terms of Americans because it does genuinely seem like right now coming off this World Cup, the round of 16 exit, but also getting go. out of the group phase. Uh, that there is like a lot of interest right now in terms of American players. So if we take those two guys off the table, who for you is the American that is most up their stock through the four games at this World Cup? Okay. I'm thinking about actual stock, like who can up their stock unknown to the rest of the world, if you will. And it got me thinking like nobody's stock has gone up more, not even in the American market like Timothy Weah. It's literally Timothy Weah is the one guy right now that you would have to really say took his play to the next level. Whether it's on the ball or off the ball, this man has proved his worth offensively. Christian Pulisic may have been your most productive player in this World Cup, but the most dangerous player for the U.S. men's national team was without a doubt Timothy Weah. And Leo, while he may be a good level, mm -hmm. Okay, I don't think it's the level for him. I think there are bigger clubs out there for him. And at Lille, I mean, he was playing right back, exactly. right wing back exactly. not too long ago. Like, There's Lille, bigger and better out there for him. So he's, he's playing some right wing back. Somebody saved him from this purgatory. And, and even when he's playing, he's not playing much. He had right. 317 minutes you know, this season. So some of that's injuries. But he's either playing out of position yeah or not playing. He's 23 years old. His contract expires in 2024. So what's the importance of that? Well, it might be that Leo right now... Having, easy out. It's an easy out. And if they wait any longer, if they wait six months, now he's a player with one year left in his deal. And if you're looking at him as a, as a long-term project, which most teams probably would be at a 23-year-old, then you just say, oh, he's got a year left on his deal. We'll just wait six months and get him on a free. You right? wait six months. Exactly. And Excellent. so I think there's a motivation here potentially for Leal to sell based on him boosting his stock. Uh, just to clear something up. So Fabrizio Romano did confirm that there's interest from Inter Milan and Anthony Robinson. Where he said there wasn't interest, I believe this is what you're referencing, is Tyler Adams. There were some uh, other links, but okay. he cleared that up that Tyler Good. Adams and Inter Milan, there had not been uh, maybe direct there. So let's just, let's just clear that up. And it's interesting that it's Tyler Adams, because that's who I'm going with for stock up, right? I feel like Tim Way is a great shout, but if we talk about players who jumped off the screen at you for what they did in pretty much all the games, except for Netherlands, and, and maybe, there's, maybe there's something to be said about at that elite level, he didn't shine like he did in the first three games. But my man covered more than eight miles of ground, right? Which sounds like a random stat, but I feel like in today's football, it's very important he did it against both Wales, and he did it against Iran. And he was still pretty fresh, right, by the fourth game. So incredible fitness. My thing with Tyler Adams is I don't know from a market standpoint and from, like, what the other options might be that there's, like, a better place for him than Leeds. Well, that's One the base stock up. That's, right, no, the right. stock is up. Right. But, but in terms of impacting a move, I don't know that there's necessarily a, a next jump to be made. One, because I don't think he's dominated Leeds yet. He just got there. He's playing okay. well, but he's not 
dominating quite yet. Um, sure, but it's just such a small sample size. But I think it's also a great situation. One, it's a style that fits him, and two, it's a manager that loves him. So I feel like Tyler Adams' stock is up. I don't know that I necessarily want to see that translate into a move right now. Yeah, Would do you, you want to know why I didn't pick Tyler Adams? Why? Because that's not stock up. I mean, maybe to the rest of the world because they're figuring him out. Well, like, that's who we're talking about when we're talking on, about transfer listen, market, listen. right? No, we're talking about stock up. What I'm talking about is to the casual viewer outside of the U.S. market. Oh, I didn't know this guy. But you don't think in the world market people know who Tyler Adams is? You can't get that much higher of a transfer fee than going to Leipzig to Leeds. I don't know how much higher of a move you're going to get from Leeds at this exact moment. What, what's, I mean, think about the teams that could potentially be higher than that for him. Who are they? Well, an Inter Milan, let's say. Had that, had that been like a real, would you have said that would be a bad fit for Tyler Adams? Because that's definitely a move up from a Leeds, right? Or no? I don't know. Do you think it's a, it's a move up in the Premier League from a team? I, that's what I don't know. Like, that's why I'm leaning on you as the player. Like, how important is the opportunity well, no, for no, European no, no, football? No, no, no. Because you're, out, Leeds, out, you're not out. going to Europe, right? You're not going to European, like, competition. Wolves went to European competition not two years ago. So, m maybe. I know what you're trying to get at. Inter will always be in European competition. But yeah. when you look at a lot of these players' dreams, mm -hmm. especially Tyler Adams because he said it, the Premier League right. would leaving – the Premier League with a coach that knows you in a setup where you're known right now. I mean, that's the point I made, right? That, like, it's a really good no, but spot. That's, but that's why I'm trying to tell you that it wasn't my stock up. Right. right. Because where are you going to go? There it is. Uh, fair enough. That's a good, that's a good shout. That's a, tell him what he said. Well, Latauro Martinez, if you prefer leads to uh, Inter. And uh, this moment... No, I don't think I don't think he cares about scudettos. I think there's other other things, and there, you have a ceiling of what you can earn uh, at a Inter than I think than what you could earn in the Premier League. All right, uh, what about Christian Pulisic? Uh, how do you think his World Cup impacted his stock as far as a potential move is concerned? It's funny because Christian Pulisic, I mean, he's the face of U.S. soccer. Everybody around you, everybody in or around that knows Christian mm -hmm. Pulisic is the face of U.S. soccer. Why not? He may not be the best player in the tournament for the U.S. men's national team because that wasn't far from it, right? Was Tyler Adams, but it was Tyler Adams, right? You agree with that? Um, Christian Pulisic had a hand in every single goal, and they didn't do much offensively. Who was and the they would have the done nothing offensively without him. Who was the player of the tournament for you for the U.S.? It's between those two. No, it's no, but who, it, who is it? I could make an argument for Pulisic. No, just tell me who it is. Pulisic. Okay. Okay. So why Christian Pulisic is the face of U.S. soccer, and everybody in or around U.S. soccer knows that, mm -hmm. even, even those foreign-based entities know it's Christian Pulisic. They don't give him the respect he deserves. There's always a but when it comes to Christian Pulisic. But he's a role player at Chelsea. But he didn't really play with Frank Lampard until he did, and then he did well. But he wasn't really playing with Thomas Tuchel until he did, and he did well. But he wasn't really playing with Graham Potter until he did, and he did well. There's always a but with Christian Pulisic. Not here. Now he's doing it at the international level, at the World Cup, and against known commodities. Mm -hmm. Wait a second. He played that type of game against the English national team? Wait, wait a second. Christian Pulisic on the ball? Is this somebody i got to watch out for? Christian Pulisic, without a doubt, had himself a great tournament. Without a doubt, opened eyes that before were maybe a little gray, a little hazy on. Yeah. I think the difference is, like, the bar is higher for who Pulisic has to impress, right? Because you're leaving a Chelsea... You're not taking a step down. We talked about it with Mark Ogden, right? You're not going to a Valencia or a Marseille, I think, were the two clubs that he not picked going to out of hand. Exactly, exactly. So you have to really have 
performed at such a level to catch the attention of a, per se, Manchester United. What I do think he did is he boosted his potential transfer sale when that does happen, which I think is ultimately the motivator for Chelsea, right? At the end of the day, if truthfully the manager doesn't see him as a, as a future part of this team and the club is willing to move on from him, which according to Mark Ogden, that's kind of where they are. Yeah, but Mark went as far as to say on a free, which I don't think is happening. No, I think Chelsea's a, I think Chelsea's a business. We know yeah, now they're course. run by an American businessman. Yeah. They're, they're going to want to get that money back. They want those $70 million that they put in, at least recoup some of that. Right? And I think the number this, right now was about 40. Yeah, I think this maybe helps you, especially if he, if he does make a loan move. Let's say it's Manchester United and he shines and he's got the World Cup. I think that that potential sell on fee is more. And that's really the bottom line. Because if Chelsea is, if you're only going to give 25 or 30 for Christian Pulisic, they might just say, ah, to hell with it. We'll keep him around for another year. Do you really think that's the open market for him? You just told me that Anthony Robinson was rumored 20 million. Mm hmm. And now Christian Pulisic's Well, Christian Pulisic, it's, it's all the context, right? Year on his contract, this and that. Like. It was the same thing with Anthony Robinson. Yes, his is done in 2024 <laughs> as well. Right. You know, so what are we talking about here? If that's the case, there's going to be a fire sale for a whole lot of players. Christian Pulisic is going to go for more than $40 million. Really? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the price we've already read uh, heading into the World Cup. Now with his World Cup performance, it, it has to go higher. I, I don't – anything under $40 million, and you should jump on that if, if you're – if and it all club. depends on the timing, because if it's, it's a sale now in January, then it's the World Cup is what's factoring in on that value. If it's a sale in June, it's Summer what sale, happens yeah. in the next few months. True. And if that's not playing at Chelsea, pew, that value drops. And if it's playing and playing and look, well somewhere else on loan, that value continues look, Seb, to go up. We normally don't see winter transfers, like big winter transfers. Do you, I think we will. You don't think we will this time because of the World Cup and everything? But I think we yeah. will because yeah. of the World Cup. Thank yep. you. All right, so uh, let's jump off the transfer wire and get to today's action, where we had not one, but two very, very interesting games. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 
Quarterfinal field is set at the 2022 World Cup after today's doubleheader. We'll start with Morocco against Spain. This one went about as you thought it might. Spain with 75% of the possession and one measly shot on goal over not 90, but 120 minutes. It was scoreless after 90, scoreless after extra time. They go to penalties. Pablo Sarabia, a specialist, missed his penalty. Then Sergio Busquets and Carlos Soler saw their penalty saved by Bono, the Moroccan goalie who of course plays in La Liga. Ashraf Hakimi converts the winner as Morocco wins the penalty shootout 3-0 after a scoreless draw. Lots to break down on this game. Bono Sevilla? Como? Bono Sevilla, right? Yes. Yes. What did I say? No, no, you're right. I oh. just you said La Liga and it reminded me of playing Sevilla. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing. You Take just love to correct me even when I'm not No, wrong. I'm asking you a question. Um, <laughs> let's go big picture here. Okay. Uh, because I think if there's anything about Spain, we kind of associate them with tiki-taka, right? Bossing the ball. And the, statis the statistics there tell you 75% possession. Is tiki-taka dead? It's been dead. Really? Hey. Uh, with the exception of Real Madrid? In the Champions League. Which is not tiki-taka. Which is not tiki-taka. Right. Very far from right. it. It's anti-tiki-taka, if you will. Um, look how far the Spanish clubs get. Sure. Look at the... Just where was, where was tiki-taka born? It's born at Barcelona. And look at look how demise, that club has dropped demise, off. Now, that has yeah. a lot to do with... Financial other and, and things. bad decisions. Of course, of course. But football has changed, hasn't it? You're reading my mind again. And it, you, I know you've heard me say this, okay? Uh, wow. Football has changed, and to what me, this compliment. all started in 2018 with the rise of France. With what France did, and in that how France right. did it, what they did, and how they did it. How explosive, how vertical, how direct they were. Special players, yes. It's not sitting back. It's not countering. It's being direct. Jurgen Klopp, his style, heavy metal football with Liverpool. Football is changing, and the teams that change with it and get younger are the teams that are doing well. Spain is a very young team, but they're a young team and doing things a different way. You can touch the ball as many times as you'd like. It's where you touch it. it, it it's how you affect the game while trying to employ mm -hmm. your DNA, right? Morocco sat back. They defended. They were disciplined and had clear chances on goal. Mm -hmm. um, what was his name? Chidari? Two clear chances towards the end of the game. Mm -hmm. Like, literally, put the game away. It's over, Morocco, let's head home. Let's send all these Moroccan fans in the stadium, because there were a lot of them. Yes. Yeah. Home happy. Two clear chances. Spain had some clear chances, too. You just told me they shot once on goal. They got one shot on goal, but they did have ten shots overall. Some of those shots just missed. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I mean, those counted What did you think chances. was closer? No, I'll, I'll agree with you that Morocco, for having 23% of the ball, was the more dangerous team. No, and no, I think just that's, in general was the more dangerous that's, team. That's the, just, that's the indictment. Just, just in general, was it, not, not, not for what they had possession for, was the most... In general, they were the most dangerous team. If you look at the actual plays, you're like, this has got to be over. It was for Morocco. Like, I understand what you're saying. In or around the box, lots of shots, lots of chances... Bono wasn't really... No, he literally one shot on goal. So that means the max he could have had was one save, yeah. right? And <laughs> even, the, even the one towards the end that goes off the post? Yes. It's a been, tight angle. Could have been offsides, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah but, And it's a very tight angle. Yeah. I mean, it's a great shot, honestly, how he got that off. Uh, football is changing. Morocco was already a very difficult team to contend with. Mm -hmm. They were already feeling themselves. They won their group. Remember, Spain came in second yeah. in their group. Yeah. 
very talented players. Same Moroccan team that back in January had a run of 31 games yep. unbeaten. Yep. I know we keep going back to, but the U.S. beat them 3-0 and all these other things. Yeah, that was a different Morocco. We have to point that out. We'll give Morocco their flowers in a second. Let's, let's keep the focus here on Spain. There was a moment in last summer's European Championships. Actually, in the sem they scored five in, the, in their quarterfinal right. against Croatia in extra times in there, too. So was it against Sweden? Is that the one you're going for? Take no, in the semifinal, Spain plays Italy. Okay. And Spain, for me, was by far the better team. And it's a young team, and I'm thinking... And that's why I think I had very high expectations of them in this tournament. And at that point, I thought, well, maybe Tiki Taka isn't dead. But I actually think that's the perfect game because they were so superior in that match, unlike today. With the, they had the possession but weren't superior. They were so much better in that match than Italy and still couldn't win it. Yeah. And that's the problem with this Tiki Taka and specifically with the Spain team that they don't have a guy up front. They don't have a Torres. You know, they don't have a David Villa. Morata scored three goals. Like, that's to me, like, I know, I know what you're saying. And he wasn't even a lockdown he was, starter. He, wasn't, he was Asensio. What, I understand yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. This is where I'm confused a little with Spain. It's, it's not so much the tiki-taka and not being that goal dangerous, even though they can be. They've proven it. It's the way that they can be broken down. And not, I don't mean breaking them down with the ball. You saw how Japan pressed them? Yeah. And tiki-taka never before was, oh, we're... Oh, that was bad from the back. Like, how do we let that go? It was that way against Japan. They were doing self-inflicting wounds. They were themselves were hurting themselves, yeah. trying to build out of the back. And at times today, Morocco, I thought, was going to fall into the same trap because early on in that game, the first half, Morocco's trying to play out of everything. Mm. Out of everything. I'm like, what are they doing here? And they had dangerous half moments. Uh, the Spanish national team. There's a phrase defending with the ball. I right. think that's like perfect for Spain, but it's it's to a fault. It's like literally when they don't have the ball, and maybe there's a comparison here with Mexico and CONCACAF in the last World Cup qualifying cycle, they were super vulnerable. Yeah. And that's the that's the problem. If you can defend with the ball and keep it away, and, and that's your best defense, but you can't be useless in defense. And I think that's sometimes what we're seeing from these teams that boss the ball. It's like when they don't have it, they literally fall apart. And that's, that's super problematic. Because well, yeah, at a World well, Cup you level... You had Llorente playing out of position today, and he was getting abused down that left-hand side, his right-hand side. How much of this is on the manager, Luis Enrique? Because I feel like Anytime you talk about a favorite going out, and I know they were the second-place team, but I still think, according to the odds makers and the computers, they were favored over Morocco. And especially for Spain, a country with significant footballing history and high expectations, when you go out in the round of 16, you're going to get hammered as the manager. How much of this is on him? He shares a, a great deal of responsibility because he picks the style, right? Mm -hmm. You could say, well, the pool indicates the style. He's going with a lot of these younger players. And there's no Sergio Ramos on here, right? There's no experienced player like that. Uh, it's a lot of the same DNA. Lots of Barcelona players. Shout out to Jose Del Valle. said they can't win with all these Europa League players. <laughs> uh, remind me who Jose Del Valle supports again? Uh, Guatemala. Club level? Uh, Real Madrid? Yes, he's a very famous Real Madrid fan. Uh, of course, you famous. see him on Jorge Ramos y su, y su banda. <laughs> famous, famous for his Real Madrid fandom. Yeah. Uh, so it is, it is, it is on, the, on the manager. It is on the coach. And maybe, just maybe, he put unnecessary pressure on his team in this World Cup. Doing what, specifically? You know what, the twitch. Okay. Uh, so right now, there's a big conversation in España uh, amongst a lot of our colleagues where, like, a lot of the Spanish press was 
hoping, waiting, praying for this fracaso to rub it into Luis Enrique's face. They don't like everything that Luis Enrique has done with this Twitch channel. It's almost like it's a slap in the face to the proper press, traditional press. press yeah. In it's Spain. like, oh, you're, gonna, you're just going to talk to the fans directly? Well, what about us? What's our role then? But is that is that fair? No, right? Because it's like how much I love this new media. Right, right. I think we actually are part of this new media. I love this new media. I love what he's doing. Listen, people need to realize. Oftentimes with the press, when you're an athlete, when you're a footballer per se, they know you through the press. Your voice or, or how you're perceived is how the press paints you. Mm. So now you take away this power. And it's almost like they feel helpless. Yeah. It's almost like, how dare you? This isn't the way it's supposed to go. And we saw it with Lionel Messi at PSG. The very first interview he had at PSG was with Ibai. It was with a Spanish streamer, YouTuber. Right. Streamer. And the proper press, the traditional <laughs> press, just had a field day. How, what is how this? dare you? How dare you? Right. Football is changing. And Luis Enrique went against that grain, and he made a lot of enemies. I saw the Twitch yesterday, so it would have been from the – night before so two nights out from the game and man he is in a loose mood he's laughing and joking I saw kind of a compilation a cut up of it and I was just thinking they better not lose this game is this when he said I had my players practice a thousand penalties well each? so so that's something of all the things right and there was another moment in the press conference where he's challenged by the Spanish press like have you been working on the things that aren't working and he kind of snaps so you the tension is readily evident and that's definitely going to affect how he's covered the penalty comments that's the one thing I think where he, he misfired. He talks about, I've told my guys, you know, after the European Championships, you got to take a thousand penalties. You got to be doing it at club. It's not just a lottery. Da 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 da. I think that's something you say after the penalty, after you win the penalty shootout, not before you have it, because you are literally giving ammunition yeah. to the press. Yeah, when things don't go well. And penalties are, are difficult regardless of what some numbnuts will say out there. Okay, uh, Morocco, let's give them their flowers. What do you think of this team, and is this the end of the road for them, or are they capable of more in this tournament? Capable of more would be Portugal is what you're saying. Yep, that's next. Yeah, would be beating Portugal. Oh, my goodness, this is a hard one. I love this Moroccan team. Okay. Go ahead and share with the crowd what, you, what your boy told you what happened in Spain versus Morocco. You picked it. I think. I think. Oh, how do we have the bracket now? But you've seen the bracket here on Football Americas. You did pick Morocco to advance. I love the way they play. Okay. I love how defensively sound they are. I love how disciplined. I love how they all battle. It's physically impossible to keep the same pace, and that is my right. worry with them. You saw the captain literally tweaking his hammy. <laughs> they were tying it back together. Right. In 120 the, uh, minutes is a lot. 120 minutes. It was penalty kicks that you advance in. You could only play this way for so long against what for me looks like a very fresh Portugal team that all of a sudden has a ton of belief and a ton of talent. They kept Cristiano Ronaldo out of this lineup and still drilled this Switzerland team that's not that easy to play against. Say what you will. Yep. They're not an easy team to yep. play against. I love my Moroccan friends. Uh-oh. I want to say, here comes the butt. Do it for Africa, because yep. Morocco's been one of the best fan bases out here. So I think that's... I would feel to see them go, but I think this is the end of the road for them. I get your points there. I think it's worth noting what you say about the fan bases, because we were hearing from our colleagues that were at this game that it was not like 75-25, 80-20. It was like 90-10. Right now, you know, where, where producer Beto and I are staying... It's, it may as well be Casablanca. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is yeah. all Morocco fans. And I think, I think that plays a role. The one thing I will 
say about this Morocco team, what I like about their story is their federation had the guts to do what Mexico's federation did not. Three months before the tourney, they fired their coach. Principally, they fired their coach because he was leaving two guys out. Right? Those two guys are in the starting lineup tonight. They play a huge role. And I think it's something to be said for, look, you may be going down a road. But when you see, and, and we talked about how did they look against the United States, right? They got shelled, 3 nothing in that. You may say, oh, well, we've gone down this road. We need to see it out. Their federation had the guts to say, no, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna change course here three months before the World Cup. And I think it's, I think it's huge. I don't think without uh, Masrawi and I don't think without Ziyech they Ziyech. win this game. No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, they had the courage and the guts to do what you didn't want them to do. What's that? You didn't want Tata fired three months before the World Cup. I didn't? You didn't want him fired back in March. Roll the tape. We'll roll the tape. You actually thought it was dumb that I said after they lost Gold Cup that this would happen. Gold roll Cup? The tape. Gold Cup was two roll years ago. Tape. Gold Cup was two years ago. not bro. two years ago. All right, uh, let's talk about Portugal and Switzerland because Herc didn't see the rundown and uh, already started to discuss no, it. No, you have to. You're going to speak against Morocco at the end of the road. Uh, this <laughs> game was not nearly as tense. We'll put it that way. Uh, Gonzalo Ramos. It was kind That's of right. Tense. Gonzalo Ramos, who started the game up front for that man, Cristiano Ronaldo, who was on the bench, opened the scoring in the 17th minute. Pepe, at 39 years old, made it 2-0 in the 33rd. Ramos would add his second in the 51st minute. Four minutes after that, Rafael Guerrero made it 4-0. Ramos sealed his hat trick on 67. Rafael Leao with a stoppage time goal for his sixth. Uh, Akanji getting el gol del honor for Switzerland in the 58th in a game that finishes. That is not a typo. 6-1. to one. But the big decision in this one from Fernando Santos after all the controversy following Ronaldo's substitution at the end of the South Korea match was to bench CR7. Were Portugal better without him? <laughs> <laughs> Are you asking that? Yes. Of course they were better without him. I mean, it was a 6-1. to one. The guy that comes in for Cristiano Ronaldo scores a hat-trick. Youngest Goal scorer of this tournament, and also youngest goal scorer of the hat trick, I think, in World Cup history. Uh, Gonzalo Ramos just happened to be the name. The story here is Cristiano Ronaldo. They were better without Cristiano Ronaldo. That just doesn't happen by chance. Cristiano Ronaldo right now is a lot of things. In his prime, he is not. He's a very good player. Very good player. But Portugal definitely looked a stronger team without Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo offensively, there are a few things he does very well. Defensively, tactically, for the team, there are things that he's not done throughout his career. Right. Not done or not been beneficial for Portugal in these latter years. I, I don't know how we can sit here and say they weren't better without him. So, Fernando Santos, the manager, and for those who haven't seen it, the, the, the big controversy here is, is how Ronaldo leaves the field against South Korea. And he's seen to be mouthing to the camera what looks to be like, Why, what's the rush? Why are you rushing right. to take me off the field? Right. Santos is asked about this in a press conference. He says, I didn't like it at all. We're going to handle this internally. Benching Cristiano Ronaldo after you started him in the first three games is not necessarily... And after you said you didn't like it publicly. Right. Doesn't seem to be handling it um, internally. I guess what I'm not really sure at is why he came into the game then, 
right at the end. Like, is that an olive branch from the manager? Because, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because if Trying you want to get... send a message, 6-1 no, without him is a pretty strong message. It was 5-1, I believe. Well, but I'm saying you could have finished that game off right, at 6-1 right. without no, him. No, but, but what, I, what I'm trying to say to you is it's, it's I believe, 5-1 when he comes in, when Cristiano comes in. That's the olive branch he's trying to send mm. right there because he's hoping Cristiano scores. Cristiano is happy when he scores. Cristiano's not happy when Gonzalo Ramos is scoring <laughs> one, two, or three. And in the way he scores, in the way he finished those plays, you could say it's Switzerland. Switzerland had a bad day. Whatever the case, Cristiano right. Ronaldo's not going to care. Right. Cristiano Ronaldo cares about Cristiano Ronaldo. That's, that's a reality. This Portugal team was better for the Fernando Santos decision. Yeah. That's another reality. Now, the bigger question is, Olive Branch or not, right. who's starting next game? Right. So he's got one goal in the five, right, so far, and it's a penalty. I mean, that's, that's, not, that's not Cristiano Ronaldo-like numbers. Do you think Santos, because this will inform the, the question, the answer to your question, do you think Santos used the drama as an excuse to do something that he's kind of been wanting to do? Because cause my point is, he, he's clearly at some point thought that Ronaldo made this team better. That's why he started him in the first three games. You don't do that because you think... He doesn't give you the best shot. So is this kind of, was this his out for Fernando Santos as a manager? And now that it's gone well, I mean, he doesn't, like, he has, now he doesn't have to go back to Ronaldo. No, I don't think so, because he, he, so you he don't was, th- you he was think with this Ronaldo was a, throughout all World Cup qualifying. So this was a through, not a tactical qualifying. decision Listen, at all. Listen, World Cup qualifying, this was straight up discipline. he's with Cristiano Ronaldo. Right. In the World Cup qualifying playoff, he's with Cristiano Ronaldo. It just so happened that this rubbed him the wrong way. And like, hey, sit out this one. Well, if that's and the it's case, Sergio Ramos who comes in and they do well with. Yeah. So he's got to go back to the well with Sergio. Uh, I'm sorry, with um, Gonzalo uh, Ramos. Yeah. Se- so Sergio, Sergio, why do I keep saying Sergio? So every so <laughs> Ramos has to go and start again, and Santos has no decision but to start him again. With all the talent they have, it's not even about the talent anymore. It's about getting the right pieces on the field to help you win. Wow. It's What's Ronaldo what it like as a bench player? Will he accept that role? I mean, listen, you got Rafael. I feel you like that could Felix, blow up you the dressing Bruno room. You got Bruno Fernandez. You got Silva. There's too much talent for you to worry about one player, regardless yeah. if it's Cristiano Ronaldo. Even if it's you've got to try and win a World Cup with this talented generation that you have. Okay, so uh, you mentioned you think that Portugal are kind of favorites over Morocco for yes. you pretty pretty heavily. Yes. Let's take a look at what the uh, the computers and the odds makers are saying about the matchup that will eventually decide one of the semi-finalists here at the 2022 World Cup. All right. Well, we see the odds for Netherlands, Argentina, Croatia, Brazil, England, France. The computer's still working uh, on the math for Morocco and Portugal. Speaking of the Dutch, Louis van Gaal, their manager, has had a lot of interesting things to say throughout this tournament. Talked about the American strategy and Greg Berhalter. Now in that game against the U.S., Netherlands scored a really, really good goal. The first, right? We talked about just how beautiful. You know who else scored a beautiful goal? Who? Brazil in their round of 16 win. While Louis van Gaal was comparing those two goals, let's hear what the Dutch manager had to say. Uh, Brazilië heb ik gisteren ook een uh, stuk van gezien. Nou, die spelen eigenlijk hetzelfde voetbal als uh, het Nederlands al, vanuit een compacte defensie. 
schakelen ze heel snel om. En, en uh, het, het gekke is dat ik dan in de media lees uh, van mijn vrienden dat dat sprankelend voetbal was, en terwijl wij dat ook hebben gedaan. En wij hebben ook gescoord. Nee, onze, onze call was veel mooier. Dat was een team call. Dat gaat boven alles uitstijgen. Ja, ja, ja. ja. Is dat het mooiste moment van de week Ja, tot nu toe wel, ja. Twintig keer in, in zo'n hoog tempo. Ja, dat, dat, dat was echt een super call. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, Herc. It's like uh, picking between your children. Are we telling uh, Van Gaal to get lost or is he speaking truth here? Was the Dutch goal better or the Brazilian goal better? I like how they capped off the Brazilian goal. The play, interplay in the final third, interplay in the box, if you will, almost walked it in. Yeah. I think Richarlison has the best two goals of the tournament for my money. Good shout. I saw but, the one against Serbia live. You were yes, there too. It was yes. Pretty great. But the Netherlands goal scored a pretty classy goal against the U.S. men's national team. Um, they already had possession before I went back to the goalkeeper. Yeah. Before I went back to Neppert. And then it's literally... 19, then 20 Memphis Depay in the back of the net. 20 touches after it goes to the goalkeeper and you get scored on if you're the U.S. men's national team. It might as well have been Brazil. Which one do you think, which one would you say had a higher level of difficulty? Brazil's. Okay, interesting. Yes. But you like the Netherlands one more? No, I still like Brazil's. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think it's like a, a taste thing, right? And I actually think both goals fit each team's style and history adequately right like the Dutch is a kind of slower build-up that then super accelerates very clean one touch passing one end of the field to the other beautiful one-time stuff in the Brazilian goal we get juggling we get, get flair we get yeah. beautiful dummies intricate runs a sick finish like if you're Brazilian I think you and think a better celebration and a way better <laughs> celebration eh a way better celebration so, but that's the point right is that I think I think if you're Brazilian you think the Brazilian goal is better if you're Dutch based on what you've thought you think the Dutch goal is better Dutch goal was very good yeah very good team goal I still think the Brazilian goal is better um, okay you know who wasn't all that impressed well not with the Brazilian goal but with the celebrations that you mentioned about the Brazilian goal this will come as a, a just shocking surprise to you Roy Keane on Brazil's dancing celebrations I think it's disrespectful dancing like that every time they score. I don't mind the first jig or whatever it was for the first goal, but not every time. Yeah. It's disrespectful. Even their manager gets involved. I don't like it. 
Roy Keane doesn't like it. Are you cool with it, Herc? The dancing from the Brazilians. You don't like it? Don't let them score. Right. <laughs> That's the easy... Did you hear any South Korean complaints about it after no, the game? No, yeah, and if you're exactly. South Korea, don't let them score. Right. If you're the next opponent, you don't want to see them dance, don't let them score. It's as easy as that. You score the goal, do what you want. This is dumb. This is like a few years back when the women played in the World Cup, and it was Thailand, right? Yes. And it was 13-0, and yeah. they started. It's a World Cup. This is what you dream about. This is the biggest moment in your sporting career. Celebrate it. Dance it. Sing it. Bring out flyers if you want. I don't care. It's your moment. And the fact that you scored the goal allows you to do that. People pay to be entertained. If you don't like that, stop it on the field. That's the only way you should be able to stop it. Let them have their is, moment. Is there a line for you between players and managers? No. Like, no, we don't hold no. them to different standards no. of comportment? No. This, this to me, if you're against this, you must be the same guy or person. You're a lot of fun at parties. That's against <laughs> Luis Enrique having a Twitch channel. Right. Like, right. Stop. Old with school. It. A little too old yeah. school for this you. This is why. This is why certain sports are dying. Yeah. Right. They don't. Baseball. They don't let you chuck the bat up in the air or whatever it is. You said baseball was dying. Not me. Uh, Tiche has hit back. He says, I have to be careful because there are always the nasty ones who say it is disrespect. It is a demonstration of joy, a celebration. He's basically backing up what you said. Hey, yeah. this is who we are. Yeah. If you don't like who it. says jig, by the way? Uh, I don't know. Everybody has their own terminologies, right? Let's right. talk more transfer news. Uh, this time, not U.S. men's national team related. Mexican national team related on the men's side as well. Alexis Vega who has been linked to a couple Premier League teams. One of them, Herc, is Chelsea, the other being Wolves, who reportedly have interest in the Mexican international following his performance in the World Cup. Herc, is Alexis Vega ready for the Premier League? Wolves? And I know there's a pretty big gap between Wolves? Chelsea and Wolves. Yeah. Really? Wolves? That's a, that's a relegation-battling team mm -hmm. who scored, what are they, three, four goals all season? I don't have the stats in front of me, but if you looked it up, sure. No, I think that's what it is. It's yeah. like three, four goals all they season. They had Raul Jimenez playing forward, so they couldn't have scored that many goals. He soon. wasn't playing forward for them. And they had Diego Costa playing forward. So they, they, a few insurance policies there that they uh, no doubt um, tried to bag in order to secure their... Their first division status. Mm -hmm. Can he play at that? Sure. I think Alexis Vega has a few things going for him over a lot of the Mexican pool. He's got great technical ability, mm -hmm. and he plays football or can play football at the rate of the modern game with speed, with power, with directness, verticality. Oh, I love that word. I'm going to miss that word. Yeah. But I love that word. He does these things very well. He can assist. He takes just as much joy in assisting as he does scoring goals. He's exciting. He's strong. He's really strong. Deceivingly strong for his size. I think he'd be a good relegation battle type of player. I don't see him going to a Chelsea. I don't see Chelsea going for an Alexis right. Vega. I mean, he would be a squad player at Chelsea at the very best, right? Like. I mean, do you see him playing over Ziyech? No, I don't know. 
I mean, Ziyech barely plays there. Can I be honest about Alexis? Like, how good of a World Cup do you think he had? And and even we For can Mexico, say. For Mexico, I thought he was, he had one of the better World Cups. Yeah. Now, like enough to draw the attention now, of Premier League teams. Now, did you hear what I said there? Yeah, nobody on Mexico. Mexico. Yeah, no, but th but okay, but I'm not putting that caveat. I'm saying like, how good do you think he played in this World Cup? Because to me, what was his most dangerous moment? I think the first game against Poland is the best that he was. Against Saudi Arabia, I I, I don't think he's that good. Producer and against Beto, Argentina, he's. Beto just said it. What? In Saudi Arabia, it's the opening. What you say? Eight minutes. Eight minutes. Mm -hmm. Second he played minute, so well. He played so well. How long did he, he had, last in that game? A, hold on. Hold on. No, 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 no. This is what we're trying to get at. Uh -huh. uh, we're, we are with you. Relax. We're on your side. Okay? Opening minutes versus Saudi Arabia, he had a 1v1 with the goalkeeper. That he played, should have chipped it. I know it's easier said than done. 1v1, and he misses. That was his most dangerous moment of the whole tournament. Right. Other than that, you have to go back to Argentina where there's a free kick that Debo Martinez literally catched. For the cameras. He literally caught yeah. the ball. Yeah. He literally caught it. That's the most disrespectful thing you could do if you're hitting a free kick is when they catch it on you. When they, if, they, if he's it's a diving catch, it's disrespectful Debo Martinez. That's the, the two most dangerous moments. And I'm a huge fan of Alexis yeah. Vega, but he didn't quite show you anything in this World Cup where if you're a scout, an international scout, That's if you're a saying. Chelsea, if you're, a if you're, <laughs> you're not jumping out of your seat going, ooh-wee! Right. Look at this guy. We got to sign him. Yeah. So I thought he was I thought he was the, probably he could argue one of the best players for Mexico against Poland in that game. Argentina, I think you have to give him a pass because actually early in that game he made a couple plays where he gets stips the ball off somebody, but it, he was hopeless. He was one on 3. He was alone. Give him a pass in that game. Yeah, because I think it's an income like if we were grading him in that game, him and Chucky were just I mean, they were not. There. What were they going to do in that game? No, I'm with you. Yeah. But this is what I'm saying. There's nothing. If he didn't if, do anything to, to if draw. If I am up. saying pick one player out of these 22 players, well, the hey, whole game. Can was I ugly. can I ask you the another question about Alexis yeah. Vega? And I know producer Beto's going to get all bitter because he's a he's a Chivas guy, right? And we all have our perspectives. I like America, so maybe that colors how I see Alexis Vega. I don't like either. So go ahead. Has he has like if we talk about dominating to to get to the next level, is he a dominant Liga MX player? Yes. Really? Yes. Do so to me, dominant means every single game you are a difference maker. Are there moments when he's dominant? Yes. Is he a, a dominant Liga Mekis player? Seb, he's a difference maker in Liga Mekis. If you actually go, and you know I hate wow. expected goals. Hold on. I hate expected goals, and I love productive players. Okay, but now you're going to use it. Right. Because they, they, they paint a picture. The, the team with the highest expected goals mm -hmm. in all Liga Mekis was actually Chivas, which is insane when you look at it. Alexis Vega was by far, far and away, mm -hmm. The most important player they've had, they have. Far and away, the only one that would ever make you think. Okay, that's they a, were that's able a reflection of Chivas, not Alexis Vega. Of oh, Alexis Vega, it's a reflection of Alexis Vega. Nah, but th that's because Chivas is in a down-down moment right now. Fine. You have to say Monterrey that. Monterrey was willing to pay him three times his salary mm -hmm. to go to Monterrey. He's one of the hottest commodities in Liga MX. Mm -hmm. Other coaches speak highly of him. Larcamón, when asked who are the three best players. In Liga Mekis, names Alexis Vega. He has his choice of guys like Nico Ibanez, of guys like Belterrame, of guys like Gignac, and he's naming Alexis Vega as one of them. He's a very good Liga Mekis player, to answer your question. The problem isn't how good are you in Liga Mekis, it's how good can you be at the next level. You talk, he's you not talk a lot about, you talk a lot about final level. product. Yeah. Do you think his final product is where it needs to be? Absolutely not. And see, Okay, that's that's for me part of being dominant. Let me throw but one I think more. That has a lot more to do with you playing in Chivas for the better part of the last three, four years than it does anything else. Let me throw one more because we're putting Chelsea aside, and Wolves is, as you say, a, a potential team to be relegated in the Premier League. We know Chivas has this deal with PSV. They do. Would that be a better fit than a Wolves? 
and back to that conversation of yes, worse, he would do very well in Eredivisie, and he would get European football a chance at it. Yes, right. Yes, so you say be that the step over to take him to the next step. It wouldn't be the next step. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I would just worry about going to a team that's bad for Alexis Vega, like, and a team that doesn't attack very well for Alexis Vega. I don't think yeah. Wolves is a good fit in that regard, even though he probably paid a lot more uh, than PSV. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time to check the mentions here. What have the... I, you said we should not read the Twitter comments, even though we have a segment on the show dedicated to it. Let's so, check the mentions. See what the good friends from social media are asking us. Where does CONCACAF rank? Oh, uh, against confederations such as uh, Oceania, Asia, and Africa. I'll save you the uh, the letters there. Herc? Um, Oceania better than. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's basically New Africa, Zealand. no way. Africa, yeah. no way. I think it's fighting for that second place with, with uh, the Asian Confederation. And if there was a tournament with only Asia and CONCACAF, I don't think CONCACAF wins. Are we being prisoners of the moment? Because CONCACAF had a bad World Cup, but if we go back to like 2014, CONCACAF think, had a great World Cup. Do you think any of the teams beat Japan? Can any of the teams in CONCACAF beat Japan? No, no, in a tournament. Do you think any of the CONCACAF teams in this tournament beat Japan? Again, if I'm going, if I'm being a prisoner of the moment, no. This Japanese team is well, ahead of. Well, the tweet is. I think a, I think a USA Japan game, the way USA played in this tournament, would be a great matchup. Yeah, I do think that would be a great matchup. Compared to the way matchup. that Japan played in this tournament. Yeah, yeah. I think you don't think the US could hang with the Japan. I mean, they had a go at it a month ago. How'd that go? Again, that was not the US team that performed in this, this tournament. This Japan team was it? beat Spain and Germany. I think you're discrediting the Japanese team. I've loved them all along. Not enough. I just don't think they're miles ahead of the United States. I never said that. Who do you think wins? I think the U.S. on a given day could absolutely be. If they play ten times, it'd be five and five. Halter, jeez, who wins the game? I don't know. (laughs) We have to see how it's played. I think the U.S. could absolutely beat Japan. (laughs) Oh, I agree with you. They could absolutely beat Japan on their day. Who do you think wins? Japan hit a higher level in this tournament. Okay. If I'm going off the, the four games that they got in this tournament. Higher level. I'll say Japan hit yeah. a higher level. Yeah, I would agree with so that. So if they played 10 times based that. off that, I'd give it 6-4. Okay. Not much, though. Okay. Is the U.S. men's national team as a program trending in a better direction than the U.S. women's Ooh, Go ahead, Seb. Go ahead. This is catered for you. Absolutely. A trending in a better direction. Absolutely. Now, niveles. No? no, no. Trending in a better direction. Right. Like, when you're the two-time World Cup champion, it's hard to trend anywhere but down, right, from okay. there. I don't know that the U.S. women's national team is in four, eight, 12 years going to still be at the very top of women's football. In fact, I doubt that they will because we're seeing a— Ever? I think we're seeing a ton of investment and growth <laughs> to, our, to the point about discussions before in places like— Spain, in places like Italy, yes. in places I like think France, I think that's in places the like shout. Germany, and I think that those countries, 
are because also they're benefited because their culture, the, the culture, excuse me, the culture around those countries with the game. And I think that's the point. Yes. The United States is still learning how to produce footballers. What the United Which States is the most important thing for competing at that level. And what the United States did for women was not produce footballers, but was produce great women athletes okay. because of Title IX. So there were. And because of the size of the country, there were millions and millions of young girls and eventually women who were playing I soccer at a time when the rest of the world didn't have a 100%. Title IX. And that's Concur. why the U.S. women are dominant. Concur. But as, as countries like Spain, who really know how to develop technical players, start to focus the resources and the proper coaching on the women's game, you bet your bottom dollar they're eventually going to overtake the United Spain, States. Spain, England, uh, who else? Germany. Uh, really, really quickly, really quickly. Do the U.S. players? Do the, does the U.S. program right now count with the most technical players on earth? The U.S. women's team? No, absolutely okay. not. Okay, absolutely not. Okay, no, definitely not. I think anybody who watched last summer's European Championships will have seen a level of technical ability that we haven't seen from the U.S. or frankly any of their opponents. I think that's a a big part of the U.S. problem. They 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 take on teams. And hey! Speaking of the U.S. women's national All right, team, Kate? our former colleague Kate Markgraf found out last night at halftime of the NCAA Division I Women's Soccer Championship game that she would be going into the Hall of Fame. Long overdue for the her. Last the, that exact, the last of the 99ers. Exactly, the last of the starters from the 99 yeah. team to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. She'll go in as part of the class uh, of 2023. Congrats. And her work is not just limited on the field. She's, of course, helping run the women's national team now with U.S. Soccer. Great work as a broadcaster. And it was actually at halftime of this game, which was an incredible game, Herc. UCLA down 2-1 against North Carolina with 15 seconds left. Score a goal on this corner kick. Maybe there was a foul, but we'll leave that for another time. And then they eventually win 3-2. And the big story here is Marguerite Auzasa, their coach, becomes the first rookie coach. So her first time as a head coach to win the NCAA women's soccer title. Amazing, amazing night. An amazing finish to a great season for UCLA. And congratulations there to their first-year head coach. That's what I'm talking about. Develop coaches as well. Mm. That's the next level, not just players. And it's a, it's a good shout-off the conversation that we had the other night about coaching opportunities for, for women, right? We, we saw yeah. men's soccer Division three national title team coached by a woman. You have to create opportunities and spaces for women to coach. UCLA took a gamble there, hiring a first-year well, head coach, and it paid off. And we see it, we've seen what happens at the NWSL. Lots of men's coaches. Lots of men's coaches in the women's game in college. You get down into the youth game, girls are being coached by men. What message does that send? How's that going to inspire a girl to want to be a coach someday? That'll do it for us here on Football Americas. As Herc mentioned, we get a day off tomorrow. There's a break in the action here at the World Cup, so we're going to take a break as well. But we will be back on Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern Time Live right here on ESPN+. Plus. For Herc, producer Beto, the technical team here, Bristol and Los Angeles, thanks for watching. We'll see you Thursday.